So we're on with Ronan Farrow. Ronan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Yes, of course. I just want to jump right in and ask you, how did this whole arc of reporting in this beat get started for you? And the Harvey Weinstein story obviously was the big story that won you the Pulitzer Prize. But like, how did that story even begin and come to you? Well, the story of how I first started digging into sexual abuse in Hollywood, more broadly speaking, um, and how that led to Harvey Weinstein is laid out in the book and now the podcast. And it was very clear along the way that, first of all, there was just a huge reservoir of audio created during this reporting that should see the light of day and would be powerful. Um, And second of all, that the sources around the story and people in my life who either hindered or empowered it um, were incredibly instructive to hear from. And so the, the podcast really allows you, the listener, to get both of those things, everything from the recordings my producer at NBC, Rich McHugh, and I made as the story was getting shut down at that network where we both were initially trying to break the story, um, to the, you know, p- the police recordings uh, that were made of Harvey Weinstein confessing to a crime, and then also it, it let you get to know the men and women who made or broke the fate of the story. The Catch and Kill podcast, I can't wait to dig into this. What's it been like with the guest selection process? I mean, has anybody been afraid to speak up or once they know that it's your podcast, they change their minds? I know that some of the people that you've been talking to were sort of trying to remain anonymous and now maybe some of that's changed. Both in the, the book reporting process and now with the podcast, sources really took a risk by exposing themselves uh, and becoming public figures. You know, mostly these are not famous people that I'm profiling on the podcast. They're, uh, you know, ordinary men and women who were thrust into a situation that was extraordinary and realized they had an ethical obligation to speak. And they're taking that yet another step further and um, allowing me to do these deep dives and, and allowing people to get to know them in the public through the podcast because they think it can help and empower other people. Ronan, you're used to uh, the spotlight. You've obviously been a known person for a long time. But what came interestingly with this story for you was that there were people following you. You were being tracked and spied on. And can you talk about the concerns and how you can talk about that in the podcast or what what that experience was like for you? Well, the very first episode of the podcast is about a guy named Igor Ostrovsky, who's a private investigator who found himself wrapped up in this international espionage plot to shut down reporting on the Weinstein story. And that included stalking me, essentially. You know, he was following me around for weeks and staking out my apartment. And it was a very scary period. Sources were telling me to get a gun. I was looking over my shoulder a lot. I was putting my reporting material in a safe deposit box. And in the course of this podcast episode, you can get to know Igor and what the other side of that was like, what it was like for the people doing the following and how it placed him in a really difficult ethical situation um, where he ultimately felt he had to become a whistleblower and help me with my reporting. It's a it's an incredible kind of stranger than fiction saga where, uh, you know, a, a guy who's involved in something bad really becomes a good guy. I know that there are several people on uh, Weinstein's staff that were trying to stop you from doing this investigative reporting, but was there ever a point where your close family members or your partner or anybody that was close to you wanted you to stop for your own safety and for, you know, the safety of the the loved ones around you? Well, I certainly, in the book and in the podcast, you know, you see how there were people who 
were telling me to stop, and mostly they were on the professional side, you know, my agent uh, telling me to stop, my uh, bosses at NBC telling me to stop, um, you know, and, and part of the plot that I unravel in this is just why that was. And some of those people had other interests and deals with Weinstein to kill the story. And, um, you know, I'm able to prove a lot of that ultimately. But I actually would say in response to your question about people in my personal life, I was really lucky because I had a partner who was very, very strong and principled in saying, look, I know this sucks for your career right now, but the story is all that matters. You've got to keep going no matter what the risks. And I had, you know, people around me, loved ones who had experienced sexual violence and been brave about speaking out about it. And I was able to draw strength from them. And you'll hear from some of those people over the course of the podcast, particularly my sister, who uh, was really an inspiration to me at a time when I was struggling to understand what these sources were going through. I've been reading Catch and Kill, and it's a really extraordinary feat of reporting and journalism. And I, I really just celebrate like how fantastic of a piece of work it is from you. Um, I'm curious with the podcast, was there anything that happened in the podcast that actually surprised you or that kind of caught you off guard in, in your interviews? First of all, thank you for that about the book. And yes, I would say there have been just as many surprising moments in making the podcast and having these conversations with the sources for the podcast as there were in the book. And, you know, some of those are to do with just the audio, you know, going back and listening for the first time again to what it was like for me at that moment. Uh, you know, the conversations I had with my producer at NBC, Rich McHugh, where you really hear us reacting in real time to the killing of the story. Um, I was taken aback, even though I lived out those events, I hadn't returned to all of that material, uh, and I think people listening will have the same reaction. It's pretty startling stuff. To Catch and Kill premieres today, and one episode per week will be revealed, uh, six to eight episodes, along with a little two-week break during the holidays. What's next, Ronan Farrow? I mean, you've, you've had an award-winning book. You've got a great podcast. I mean, a movie, perhaps? <laughs> well, you know, I've gotten that question a lot, and I have only good things to say about powerful adaptations of nonfiction stories, and maybe someday in the right hands, but... For years, I was just so focused on getting the reporting right that actually, while I've been totally thrilled to have some conversations about that with people that I really respect, I've also just said, you know, to a last conversation, hey, I need to take the time to get the reporting right, and then I can decide about what form the story takes uh, down the line. And, you know, the podcast is sort of the, the first step in terms of um, exploring different shapes that this story can take. Well, I don't know who you think would play you in a movie, but uh, I was thinking Orlando Bloom, uh, uh, Owen wow, Wilson, that, and if that it's a rom-com. That's been both quite flattering choices. I will take it. Thank you. Ronan, we really so appreciate you joining us today. Um, we look forward to the podcast and look forward to everything that's going to come from it. Thanks for taking the time to talk, guys.